welcome to At the Root with Greg Kuiper on KKNW. Greg is a psychotherapist and holistic life coach. His practice is Kuiper Counseling. Through his professional practice and personal experiences, Greg knows that without connection with ourselves, connection with others is near impossible. Because, after all, emotional connection is at the root of healthy living. If you are interested in connecting, you are welcome to call in. The show is live, so feel free. It is 425-373-5527. I will repeat that, 425-373-5527. And remember, you can also connect with Greg through his website, KuiperCounseling.com. There you can find out more about Greg, his practice, past episodes of the show, resources, and even a link to his YouTube channel called Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. There you'll find videos of past episodes of the podcast, plus awareness exercises. So, Greg, hello. Hello, Stacy. Good to see you again. Good to see you, too. Last week was very helpful. Was it? Good yes. for you. I yeah. good found for <laughs> it, it was great. Uh, last week, as a reminder to folks, uh, Greg, after taking a few weeks off, came back in raring to go, <laughs> and we were talking about listening. Yeah. And I shared uh, my own experiences of struggling with that with my son, and... And that was an interesting thing. I actually shared the episode with him. He thought it was very interesting. And then you shared information on uh, the heart. And that I shared on my own radio show. I shared it with my mom. (laughs) I shared it with everybody. I thought that was fascinating, this idea that uh, the heart, the energy of the heart extends beyond the body. Yeah. It, it, you know, it can be anything. I, I, I uh, was reading an article yesterday about how they measured the Dalai Lama's electromagnetic field. Oh. It was 30 times out uh, his body diameter. Wow. Out, like 30 feet or something. It's amazing. I mean, most of us, it's two or three feet somewhere sure. in there, depending on our mood, right? I mean, it's, uh, uh, but... Uh, yeah, that was that was such an interesting thing, especially uh, with the topic of listening that you were talking about uh-huh. and this idea of uh, how we listen, being present and allowing ourselves to listen with our brains and you were suggesting and listening with our hearts. Yeah, our hearts. You know, they, they recently science is, in the last 10 years or so, the science is has really determined to come up with the fact that we have two brains, one in our head and one in our uh, chest. And the one in our chest radiates so much more electromagnetic energy than the one in our brain. I think it was like 5,000 times the electromagnetic field. And um, what was it? I can't remember what I said last week. It was amazing. It was 60 times the amplitude. Or something like that. The yeah, frequency. it was it was fascinating. Um, yeah. I can tell you exactly what you said. You said that the heart emits an electrical field sixty times greater in amplitude right. than the activity in the brain, 
and an electromagnetic field 5,000 times stronger than that of the brain. Isn't that amazing? 5,000 times stronger electromagnetic field. Electromagnetic field is is uh, essentially biophotons that we put out, right? It's just light. Energy mm-hmm. is light. Mm-hmm. And, and when we are in the presence of another person and, and they are emitting their electromagnetic field, we... Um, uh, there is a coherence that can develop between the two, and yeah, it was it was anyway, fascinating. It's, it's you know you walk into a room and you feel a vibe of another person, you know whatever. That's what you're. That's what it is. It's, mm-hmm. it's uh, that energy, and it has to do. And you know how does that have to do with listening? But it 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 very much has to do with um, connection, right? Mm-hmm. And listening is or connection is listening. The, the, you know, all this talk of listening more or less comes down to, to what we are hearing, right? What we're hearing. And yes, there are words, but there's a lot more than that, right? There's, there's the intent of the speaker, I guess is one way to describe it, right? Communication between individuals certainly consists of words and then the reception of those words. In particular, you know, here we're talking about spoken words, but do we allow the intent of the speaker to be part of our hearing or not? Or are we just hearing the words? I think more often than not, we, we struggle with this. A lot of us do, right? Especially if we're not really self-aware. I had a quest- or a conversation with uh, my daughter this weekend. By the way, listeners, I have a lot of kids. I have four kids that <laughs> uh, range in age from 9 to 26. So the conversations that I have with them are really interesting. Uh, My daughter, who is 26, was talking about this idea of she was giving me relationship advice (laughs) with my husband. And she said, well, you two really need to communicate and be very clear. So when you say, you know, hey, can you do this? And he says, it's up to you or something like that. It's what I'm hearing is I don't want to do that, but I will do it if you ask me. And the question is, what is he saying? Is he saying like, no, it's genuinely up to you. You decide what you want to do. Or is that what he's saying? And so this is reminding me of what you're talking about, right? Right, right. I mean, what's the intent in there, right, when we say those kind of things? It's, it, you know, uh, where do you want to go eat tonight? Oh, I don't care. You decide. And then somebody decides and it's like, wait a second, you know, I don't want to go there. Well, you told me to decide, you know, so it's. It's these little nuances and intent in our mm-hmm. conversation, right? Exactly. We, we talked about that last time, uh, attunement. Um, uh, when we're hearing, why is our own cognitive noise so much more important, right, than the sensitivities and information that is being put forth to us that we're hearing? Mm-hmm. And that's attunement, right? The mutual exchange of sensitivities and information. We've mentioned that a bunch of times. Where the information here is the words and the sensitivities are the emotional content or the, the intent of the speaker. Without the intent, these sensitivities we're talking about, the words are just words. So, mm-hmm. so we, we have two consciousnesses basically here, right? To varying degrees isolated from each other. And bridging the gap, bringing these two consciousnesses closer to each other in communication, joining rather than separating, requires that we get inside each other. 
we come to know from the other person's point of view what is being presented to us and vice versa, right? Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, and I think that's the key here from, uh, you know, his or her point of view, right? If we are listening to their words from our point of view, <laughs> we aren't, we're not going to get their intent, right? Totally. So the idea is to be aware enough so that we can listen to what they're saying from their point of view. So this reminds me of the um, the love language thing. Uh huh. In that, uh, for instance, so my husband saying to me, um, you know, it's up to you. He is somebody that his top thing for love language is acts of service, right? So therefore, he shows love through acts of service. Really what he wants, though, is acts of service, right? Mm -hmm. So a lot of us confuse what we want with how we're then going to show it. And meanwhile, you know, I'm like, tell me that I'm pretty. I'm a words of affirmation girl. So it's, it's interesting because then what you're talking about here with our own sensibilities and what we're hearing, we're hearing it with that bias of what we want and what we think others want. And, you know, we're, we have a lot going on in our heads. Point of view, right? Yeah. It, it, if it's, if it's singular to us, we aren't hearing exactly what you just said. You know, the, the acts of service. Mm-hmm. He likes of acts of service, so he gives them to you, thinking right. that that's going to be the way to connect with you. And, and what I hear is, now I have another decision to make. I make decisions <laughs> every day, all the time, right. and I would like it just to be handled. And that is my, in my mind, I just want it to... I want to be taken care of in those moments. Sure. Yep. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So. I'm sure you have other things to share other than just talk about me. <laughs> yes. As a matter of fact. All right. Well, I guess we can move on. <laughs> Let's do a break and then uh, we'll talk right. about more about point of view. Perfect. All right. So uh, keep listening to At the Root with Greg Kuiper. When we return, we're going to move on from Stacy's issues and we're going to talk about listening and the bias that we perhaps bring to it. We'll be right back. Sometimes psychotherapy is not enough to get to the root of our illusions. Hypnotherapy with licensed practitioner Annette Kuiper of Solid Insight can help. With hypnotherapy, it's possible to tap into what's beneath our layers of protection and resolve the illusions that stop us from accomplishing what we want. Hypnotherapy is a safe state of relaxed calm coupled with elevated mental awareness that allows for a deeper dive into our subconscious. Led by Annette, it's about understanding and loving ourselves and creating a deeper connection with others. Learn more about Annette at SolidInsightNow.com. Looking to reconnect with your partner, spouse, kids, or self? When the disconnect seemingly has been there for a lifetime and is impacting your relationships, it's difficult to determine how and where to start. But At The Root with Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is the perfect first step. Throughout each episode, Greg talks about establishing emotional connection with ourselves and others. He offers experience, advice, explanation, and resources to listeners. You can find past episodes on his website, KuiperCounseling.com, or through his YouTube channel, Connection Through Awareness with Greg Kuiper. 
Hey, are you missing listening to this show is all about you with me, JDK Winnikin? Well, you don't have to. You can still listen to Greg Kuyper's show at The Root and my show. It's a win-win in every way because you can download my show and his at Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Don't miss a minute of either show and listen to them on your own schedule. So be aware out there that you can listen to both of us still. And isn't that comforting? Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuyper. Remember, if you have a question or you want something clarified, feel free to call in. The number is 425-373-5527. We are talking about listening and our own bias. We are talking about listening, you know, and, and we, before we break, uh, took a break, we we were talking about listening from our point of view or listening from the person that's speaking's point of view. It's very important because um, we're not going to get their intent or their feel if we're listening from our point of view. It comes from an instinct we have that anyone we're talking to is dumber than us, kind of. It just does, mm-hmm. instinctively. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying we consciously think that, but, but th- this right, comes right out of our unconscious autopilot. Hopefully, we're not consciously thinking it, right? But, but because if we are, there's no hope for a productive engagement here. But, sure. But, but this is an arrogance arising from our ego, which we have nurtured, you know, meticulously over these years. This inner need to be right can be particularly troubling for engagements with others and for you know, mental, emotional, and spiritual growth for ourselves and for them. So this, this is cognitive bias is what this is. And depending on its degree of dysfunction, this is a source of miscommunication and a lack of understanding. So cognitive bias, what we experience is a systematic error in our thinking that occurs when we're processing and interpreting information. That's just an error. Unconscious. This can be a result of our brain's attempt to uh, simplify information processing, right? Maybe we're in a hurry or we need to get through this or whatever. It's a shortcut. And this helps us to make decisions with more speed, relative speed, right? This is interesting. So this is like kind of a deep concept. So basically it's like if we put in some place that we're going, like to the airport, and – we put in the directions because, you know, there's the the bridge is closed or because there's traffic and whatever, mm-hmm. right? But then we default to our usual pathway to get there. There's that cognitive bias. So we're not listening to what the suggestion is for this other pathway, this other thing. Instead, we're on that autopilot to follow that thing we already know. Right. Okay. Right. We're not listening to the GPS voice. No, they're wrong, right? Right. We're, we're, we're using our old bias to because it's comfortable, because it's easy, because it's what we remember. Mm-hmm. We don't have to think very hard. You know, uh, these biases can be related to, to memory, right? So, so, so the way you remember an event may be biased for any number of reasons, right? Or they may be... These biases may be related to how selective we are in what we are paying attention to. 
we all experience cognitive bias to various extents, and it just depends on our awareness of it. You know, some of the things that, that we can watch out for are only paying attention to news stories or, or information that confirms our opinions. Mm. That's a big one these days, right? An echo right? chamber. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to hear the other side. I'm comfortable with this side, so I keep reinforcing with uh, uh, the information that's, that's uh, repeating this to me all the time. I'm not looking around for another opinion. Blaming another factor, blaming outside factors when things don't go your way, you know, just blaming others. Attributing other people's success to luck. That happens sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Taking personal credit for our own accomplishments, but, oh, they're just lucky. Right. Or assuming that everyone else shares your opinions or beliefs. There's a big one, right? We just assume sometimes that. And, and learning a little about a topic and then assuming you know all there is to know about it. That happens a lot for people. My husband likes to say, I know a little, uh, a little bit, a little something about everything. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you? <laughs> <laughs> but I see, you know, thinking you're a subject matter expert because you know a little something. Right. Well, what we're talking about here is just... Uh, sim- trying to simplify our information processing by taking these shortcuts. And, and these types of errors in thinking are troubling, especially in, in building relationships with others. Uh, there's a deeper systematic error, I think, in thinking that arises from being judgmental in our efforts at connecting with others, right? And that is an intense need to be right, no matter what, right? That's that's a judgment. And, and this type of bias can often be deeply embedded in our autopilot functioning. And from my experience in working with clients on this, um, coming to an understanding of where and how this came from in their lives is important in moving past it, you know, informing better connections with themselves and others, right? How did this develop in our lives, this automatic response, this pattern of uh, needing to be right? It's unconscious. I needed words of affirmation. Right. And because there are some people that it's a control thing. I mean, I could just think of so many over the time that we've been doing this show, all the different reasons when you go back to that core true self. Right. And the sensibilities that, you know, maybe have not been seen and met. Way back when. Way back when. The, you know, the, there's kind of a spectrum with here when it comes to this this need for being right. At the extreme, we've got the the narcissistic personality, right, who is always right. You know, just ask them, right? They're never wrong. Um, and, and that's an argument you'll never win. Right. There's no reasoning with the person with this personality type, right? So that's the extreme. But communi- the communication is one-sided. There's no connection. And moving on down the scale, we find a myriad of intensities of this, right? From the person who has taken some task or issue and has analyzed every angle and possibility and done experiments and, and through experience has refined the most perfect way to perform a task, right? And they have a determination to share that with others and then to debate unendingly their process and why it should be done that way, right? I mean, I, they're... Surely you know people like this. I do. 
Oh. You know, I run into them all the time. You know, they have logically come to the most smooth, efficient, perfect way to do something. And if you're talking to them about performing that task, there is no way that your input is going to be valued because they've got it down. You, this is logical. You know, if everybody did it this way, it would be perfect. It would be so efficient, right? And uh, uh, just that determination to get that across can be, I mean, I, I, I've seen this in couples, right? Something as silly as, I don't know. T- uh, toilet paper, which well, yeah. direction? Yeah, that's From a, the that's top a or good from one. the bottom? That's a good one. Uh, uh, one I remember was putting spoons in the dishwasher tray. And, you know, if you put it exactly this way, all of the food gets off and it's easier to get them out and sort them and put them in the drawer. And this is perfect this way. And, and, and there is a discussion about this. There's more than a discussion. There's arguments going on about this. And, uh, I mean, you just got to step back and look at this and go, folks, this is me with laundry. I used oh, yeah? to be somebody that needed to do the laundry because, you know, I worked at the Gap, so I've perfected, like, the Gap fold when it comes okay. to folding laundry. And, like, <laughs> you know, and I have slowly over the years decided that it is more in, it is less important for me to be right than it is for these things to be done and right. that I can't want it my way and be resentful that no one's helping me. Well, that's perfectly said right there. Right. I mean, because what's going to happen in these situations is someone's just going to withdraw. <laughs> right. Hey, you do it then. Right. right? And, uh, and like, and, and honestly, that's how my husband was. And he was like, all right, that's on you. And a hundred percent, that's on me. So do I want it, you know, to be done my way or do I want it to be done? And thank you very much for the assist. Yeah, I had somebody recently ask me about it. They, they thought this was like OCD or something, and it's certainly not. You know, um, that's a very complex mental issue that some folks have, and it's not, right. it has nothing to do with this. You know, and obsessions are you're thinking about these things. I mean, you're not thinking about how you that spoon goes into the dishwasher perfectly every right. time. But, it's like being concrete sequential. Right. Versus like, you know, my husband tends to be more concrete sequential. First this, then this. I tend to be random abstract. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that doesn't make him OCD, as you say. Right. So, right. anyway. But think about someone, if we take this to a relationship and there's a communication going on or a connection trying to happen about anything between two people and immediately or very shortly after this connection is initiated and it's going along, it goes this way to where somebody is, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. If you would have just, you know, I've tried this a hundred times. I know it works. Blah, blah, blah. So where's the connection at that point? It's gone. And if anything, um, hopefully this doesn't turn into a conflict, but many times it does, right? Mm-hmm. You always do this. That's what I hear, right? You always do this. You always do this. No, I don't. It's just more efficient if you do it my way. So it, it, this is a, a, a big problem in people trying to communicate, connect in relationships. 
And then, and then there's also the other pe- folks who, who stick to their guns to avoid conflict, right? And or have, uh, or they don't want to have to think about it, right? Mm-hmm. They're just staying in their comfort zone, right? So that's kind of the an, another place on that spectrum is uh, I'm just going to stick to my guns, not gonna, not gonna have a conflict about this, you know. And regardless where somebody lands on the spectrum of needing to be right. Um, I believe it comes down to one very simple factor, and that's insecurity. Big time. Yeah. yeah. No one's going to get, you know, none of us really want to hear that. But somewhere way back when, our confidence in ourselves got dinged, right? And probably repeatedly. And in order to cope with the emotional trauma from from that, we, we developed a complex system of denial of what we were being told was wrong. It constructed unconscious shields and walls, right? One being making sure we were right, at least in our minds, even if we weren't, because that's secure to us. And over time, this gets, I don't know, continuously reinforced in our daily functioning. Right, mm-hmm. especially if this starts at a very, very young age, and it becomes part of our unconscious patterning, so we just do it automatically without thinking about it. Every, every engagement, conversation, communication with another person heads this way, right? I feel like, especially as you have leadership roles, like you know, yeah. thinking as a parent, right? Yeah. So the idea that there's a right way and a wrong way or if you're in a work environment uh you know or even within your uh intimate relationships with your significant other Mm -hmm. uh you know and you're trying to even if you're being co-leaders these things like this need to be right i mean that must really come in with that you know right like i said especially with the parent thing you're like this is the way it's done this is the way it's done well, that's probably the way that these things develop in the kids, right, is mm-hmm. hearing those kind of things, not being uh, reinforced in their own beliefs. So, And over time, as this happens, I believe, you know, this need to be right can also morph into a, a, a need to dispute. I think there's a subtle difference, right? I mean, need to dispute kind of trumps right or wrong. I just. Yes. Whatever they say, I'm going to disagree with. Well, yes. I mean, that just feels like um, that's just being a, a pit bull because you can. Right. And like, oh, I'm going to take whatever it is that you say and I'm going to argue the other side just because I'm playing devil's advocate. No, oh, I love that one. <sighs> and, but this, in a way, this is just a thicker shield of protection from the insecurities, right? It just is. And it develops over time. In my work with uh, couples in their relationships, I, I see this patterning that we're talking about as a major cause of lack of attunement. The partner attempts to connect and share their thoughts and feelings, and the other one picks up on words that trigger a reaction to dispute. And then more than likely, they're going to interrupt and the attempt at connection of finding mutual meaning together 
around a really inert topic probably turns into a debate. Mm-hmm. So there's no, the, what is the connection? Connection is arguing. Right. Yeah, and eventually, you know, as this happens over time, the partner attempting the connections withdraws eventually and distances happen between the, a distance happens between the two. I mean, if this is going to keep happening over and over and over for years, I'm not even going to go there. No. So why even engage? I'm going to be argued against or they're going to be right all the time. So there is a tendency to not even engage and go through that trauma, that emotional peace. And so that's when this distance really starts to develop. I mean, uh, I talk to people that have been married for 25, 30 years, and they just admit to being good friends living together. And mm-hmm. they started out in total passionate love. Right. And just over time, these little things, these unconscious, this unconscious patterning that each of us have uh, from our past uh, controls our daily functioning, reactions. And then the triggers happen. And then people withdraw, and and it's not worth it anymore. And the interactions are not worth it. I'm not getting anywhere. You know, no one's listening to me. All of those things happen. And and eventually that, and you you know, couples wonder how this distance starts, and that's it. Um, Right. We're not listening. Well, the the discourse thing, you know, the constant, um, you know, a favorite that I hear occasionally is, um, well, I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just <laughs> suggesting. And, you know, this place of I'm on the fence. And so I'm not going to state an opinion. I'm going to stay on the fence. And yet I seem to be passionately arguing one side. Right. And, you know, or the other side. And yet, you know, like own what it is that your beliefs are and have the true uh, point of view. But there's that fear of exposing yourself and that, God forbid, you have a different opinion. Fear of exposing yourself. Another one I hear a lot is, oh, wait, I don't want to put words into your mouth, (laughs) you know, (laughs) when they're talking. And it's like, really? I mean, just saying that. I mean, it's it's just preempting what's about to come. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oof. Uh, interesting. Yeah, it is very interesting, the bias that uh, that comes from the, the, the conversations and the, the connection between people and this idea of intent versus content. Right. Right. Content is the words, right? Intent is what? What's? What, what's in there? What is this person trying to share with you? And that, that thing, that bit, that, that emotion, that intent is the basis of the meaning of the connection with the other, right? Mm-hmm. The meaning that's about to happen. And without that, there is no meaning. It's just two people, you know. Yeah, what are you off for dinner tonight? I don't know. Right, yeah, you pick. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it's, it's mean, up the, to you. <laughs> yeah, right, right. 
<laughs> well, you know, as Carl Rogers says, I bring him up again, but he was big on this and a very important person in this field. Until we can demonstrate a spirit which genuinely respects the potential worth of an individual, we won't be good listeners. Whew. Say that again. Yeah. Until we can demonstrate a spirit which genuinely respects the potential worth of an individual, we won't be good listeners. Wow. Yeah. We can pretend to be listening while waiting for these things. You know, there's no way to listen. Pretend, right? There's, there's no way to do this. We can't belittle or correct while we're doing this, right? Scan, while we're listening, we're scanning for clues that we can use to make this person feel wrong, right? Yeah. Pretend yeah. to listen. I'm listening, but I'm just waiting to correct to this person, right? So often I think of, uh, you've taught me a lot about this, and the moments when I find myself, I've, I'm holding on to something like a mental string on my finger to remember this thing that was said at the beginning <laughs> of the conversation, and because I'm so trying so hard to remember this thing that I want to comment, expand, dispute, mm-hmm. argue, whatever, I haven't listened to anything that's come after it. Happens a lot to people, right? I mean, we can all sit, oh, God, yeah, I just did that an hour ago. <laughs> right. I mean, it just happens. It's in our unconscious. And so this requires an awareness of, of, of focus, paying attention, right? Being aware out there, right? That's what there you say is. all the time. <laughs> right. Uh, Rogers also said, we must create a climate which is neither critical evaluative, nor moralizing. So if that environment can be that climate, if that can be the basis of this communication and this connection, then then it's going to be a positive one, right? There's no critical evaluative. We're not moralizing. We're not judging. And that's what this is really all about, right? Respecting the potential worth of the person we're listening to. Very simple statement, right? But so hard. Respecting the potential worth of an individual. Ironically, right? I'm writing it down. I'm typing. think, Think about this. Ironically, the very thing we were hoping for and needing early in our life, somebody to value our potential worth, that's what we're having struggling with now, doing for other people. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the shield we constructed to protect our sense of security and worth. It's the whole like molding, you know, so many uh, professionals, uh, mental health professionals will talk about, you know, how uh, the bullies were bullied or abusers were abused. Mm-hmm. So it's that same cycle mm-hmm. that, you know, this happened to you and and here you are. Right. Hmm. So Carl Rogers also noted that, uh, I like this one too, our emotions are often our own worst enemies when we try to become listeners. And we can go into emotions now too, right? I mean, if we're getting riled up or we're getting uh, triggered, 
That's what happens. People get triggered, right? And here come those reactions. And the reactions are emotional responses, right? Um, if we were thinking about them, they'd be actions, and we'd, we'd be more careful with them. But they're reactions. And so, you know, a, a great deal of bad listening comes down to lack of self-control. Wait, say that again, because that may or may not have happened to me on <laughs> A great deal night. of bad listening comes down to a lack of self-control, right? But, okay. you know, a caveat there, too, is if, we're, if we get triggered to our unconscious past that is controlling our day-to-day lives, right, this patterning that we, that if we get triggered there, we're going to react, and that's an emotional response. And that's where I see, and we'll, we'll talk about more of this as we go on, but folks are um, triggering these reactions from each other, and then the connection doesn't happen. Right. You know, we talked about this a whole bunch. but Oh, yeah. But uh, uh, so these re- emotional responses are uh, a big part of it, reactivity. Totally. Uh, let's take a break here because I feel like I just absorbed. Uh, so what I love is that while you're talking, I so often am writing notes down <laughs> and I have this really long word doc of things that you say. Oh, yeah. And there was a lot in that last section. So let's take a break. And then when we come back, we can continue the conversation and, and I can sort my notes out. Okay. Keep listening to At The Root with Greg Kuiper here on... KKNW, we'll be right back. Too many relationships are adversely affected by wounds from our past. Lack of connection, unhappiness, shame, and regret are just some of the fallouts we experience when we choose to avoid addressing those wounds. Greg Kuiper of Kuiper Counseling is a psychotherapist committed to re-establishing connection with self to create greater connection with others. His work with teens, individuals, couples, and those struggling with substance use. If you struggle with old wounds or unhealthy narratives, get to the root of them in yourself by contacting Greg Kuiper at KuiperCounseling.com. That's KuiperCounseling.com. Whether it's fly fishing or French pastry, we all have something that makes our tail wag. Involuntary and instinctive, it's sparked by excitement, inspired by purpose, and it speaks to who we are. I'm Stacy Heller of Stacy Connects. I lead clients to the place that makes their tail wag. As a creative director, I bring ideas to life. As a podcast producer, I give ideas a voice. Stacy Connects, it's my superpower. If you want to connect with me, Stacy Heller, go to stacyconnects.com. Asking questions is better than making assumptions. Such is the premise of my show, Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. I welcome a diverse assortment of guests to chat about topics and ideas that are sometimes educational, sometimes inspirational, a little personal, and always entertaining. Every week, I draw out and befriend the elephant in the room so listeners can connect with the unexpected. Listen live Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to At The Root with Greg Kuiper. We are talking about uh, 
listening, the bias that we bring. I have taken a ton of notes, uh, dear listener, because we're all in the same boat here. One of the things that uh, I'm realizing as a listener of Greg Kuiper here is that (laughs) our bias uh, basically translates the intent behind content. Right? Our bias does? Yeah. Yeah, Right? So because we have this certain either because of experience or, you know, Mm. sensibility or we think we know better, that right right thing that you've been talking about, we're then translating the, the intent behind the words. So content being the words, right? Yeah, we're kind of projecting our intent on what's, what we're hearing, right? Rather than allowing ourselves to hear and feel the intent of the speaker, mm-hmm. right? And we can get into a lot of trouble doing that. Um, there isn't going to be any connection. That's, that's not going to happen. And um, over time, repeatedly, that going on and on and on uh, in a relationship, um, it's uh, that's when someone starts to withdraw. Generally, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and Let's you were us. you were talking about uh, the things that you know can trigger us. And during the break, I said, "Okay, so what is the similar to how I talked about having kind of a a mental string around my finger to remember mm. when I'm." supposedly listening, but really I'm just waiting my turn, not mm-hmm. so patiently. Um, what are the mental reminders or things that we can remember when we notice we're getting triggered? What are the things that when we notice the behavior in ourselves that, mm-hmm. you know, I'm totally not listening right now. Um, you know, how do we, how do we address that for ourselves and for the other person? You know, what I encourage in, in my relationship work is with people is um, we need to discover what these triggers are, each partner's triggers and their reactions. And yes, go back and figure out what, where that all happened in life and all of that. But the most important part is in, 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 those, in, in the present moment when this is happening – how do we stop it from getting to that conflict or that argument or that storming off and slamming doors or whatever? How do we stop that escalation from happening? And so if each partner knows how they trigger the other partner, right? Uh-huh. So, And this could be anything from words you use, rolling your eyes. I've heard that one a lot. Um, body language. Uh, uh, an inflection, a tone of voice, that's a huge one too. Any of those things can trigger the other person's reaction. And what's happening here is a lot of time, who knows, that tone of voice they're using might be the same tone of voice that somebody used way back when, you know, a teacher or a caregiver even, whatever. And, 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 it triggered a reaction back then, and that reaction back then was, who knows, anger, withdrawal, um, uh, going to a place of not feeling emotions, walling off the emotions. So if that same trigger happens now, it's going to trigger the same reaction, and then 
that reaction in itself could can trigger the other person and a reaction from them. So so if each partner can figure out, so we work together mm-hmm. on this, and with a, a, a sense of curiosity, right, that this, this can be daunting unless we're, we're working on it from a sense of, let's figure this out, explore, discover here. What is this? This is weird. Stop it. You know, we got to figure it out. Right. So, so what are my triggers to my partner and what are her triggers to me, right? Mm-hmm. And then what are the reactions that these triggers are sparking in each other? Right, because there's a pattern here. It's, it's this this goes on and on and on. Um, the critical loop. Remember, that's what we called it. Called it. Oh, you yes. know, criticize, defend, criticize, mm-hmm. defend, criticize, defend, and finally somebody bails. Um, uh, so knowing what the other person's triggers are and how you're triggering that, then we can get to a point, hopefully in our work with each other, right? When I'm not there, (laughs) right? When they're functioning in daily life at home, they can get to a point of going, oh my God, I'm triggering you, aren't I? See what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Or there's a, 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 you mentioned earlier when, during the break we were talking, but you know, a key word or something. Right. A cue. So that, so that. It's like a safe word. A safe word, whatever it is, yeah. I mean, you know, there are certain things that there's, even in your phone, if you have an iPhone, you can create like a shortcut, right? So that when you type in the word cell, like your cell phone can then like, there it is, right? (laughs) And so it's the same thing in a relationship where, you know, if suddenly you're like pickle, you know, it's like, oh, that could be, as you say, if there's mutual curiosity, then it could be either something that you yourself are doing and you're recognizing it, or you're recognizing that this other person is doing it. And right. by saying pickle or something ridiculous, it's like, oh, okay, let's explore that. Yeah. Time out. Wait a second. Back right. off. You know, I mean, before this can escalate into that, that critical loop where nothing positive happens. Right, I mean, it's 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 terrible uh, connection between the people. It, before that happens, if we can just with curiosity go, oh, you're triggering me, and the other person go, oh my god, that's right, I see what's happening, mm-hmm. right? Or 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 there's that tone. Yeah, yeah. See, you rolled your eyes. I did. You see that kind of conversation, uh, rather than. Using those cues, uh, I mean, those triggers to attack, uh, you know, because it'd be just as easy to go, you're doing it again. And then here goes the fight, right? Right. But if it's, oh, I'm getting triggered because you, I, you, I don't know if you know it, but you rolled your eyes. Right. And then the other person at that point, so critical, we don't get defensive, which is the normal thing we do. No, I didn't. Oh, stop. You know, I mean, we'd. So we want to be able to build this, and it really works. It takes time, it takes time. But I've seen this really work with couples I work with. Um, you know, um, I have one couple, in, or I had one couple in particular that um, both are, uh, both can, uh, uh, or both could go to rage just very quickly. Wow. Yeah. 
I mean, not just one, but both. Well, you go and, after so long, I, I suspect you go from zero to 60 in like, you know, point well, one second. And I think they, both of them were just kind of, that was their temperament too, right? We're born with a certain temperament and, and, and you know, it's, but, but this was something we really had to work on because once that trigger happens, it's got to be shut down. And, and their cue uh, was uh, to just look at each other and, and, and go time out, and they would separate, mm-hmm. right? Go to different rooms and just process, mm-hmm. right? Because once we go into that rage, once we go into that emotional reaction, we all know those emotional reactions are, uh, that's the sympathetic nervous system getting all fired up into fight, flight, freeze, adrenaline's pumping, cortisol's going. We're moving through that. And unfortunately, what happens then is that the thinking brain shuts off. It actually does. It just, the blood flow goes away from it. Basically, oxygen stops flowing as much to the prefrontal cortex and to these thinking areas. And so, I just call that the brain shuts off. Mm-hmm. Well, if the brain is shut off and we are reacting in an emotional thing, in an emotional uh, state, how's this going to go? Right. How's this interaction going to go? Yeah. It's not, right? Right. So what we want to do is know those signals, know those triggers to the reactions, and do whatever we have to do to uh, stop, eliminate, get apart. Just allow the sympathetic nervous system to calm down. Breathing is a great one. That's the parasympathetic nervous system. That's what. That's why breathing calms that uh, system down. And guess what happens when it calms down? Ha! Huh, the brain turns on. So now we can go, boy, wow, that was silly. Right. Or, oh, my God, that was terrible. I'm glad we caught that and shut it off. So the brain comes back on, and we can make choices at that point of, oh, man, that wasn't going to go anywhere. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Rather than it going there, and then we've got to backtrack for three days, not talking to each other, you know, slamming doors, sleeping on the couch, whatever it is, because we let it get to that point. Mm-hmm. And and part of this learning process with these uh, learning the, each other's triggers and reactions is understanding, knowing, believing that your partner is not doing this intentionally. Right. They are not. You know, uh, this isn't malicious. This is them reacting from their unconscious programming just as you are reacting from your unconscious programming. And so, essentially, the unconscious programming I'm talking about, right, the autopilot, for years we've been developing this, and it's our personality, and it functions in the background. And um, this is our, this is built on the past, right? All of this is the past. Mm-hmm. Memories, things that happened to us, uh, uh, beliefs that we developed, defense mechanisms we Coping mechanisms. All these things that we built up and put in there, but where, where are they? What are they? They're the past. They're not the present moment. So we are being controlled in, if we're not 
aware we are being controlled by our past all the time. I want you to think about this. If we're not aware and we're not in the present moment, like right, we are talking about being mindful, being in the present mm-hmm. moment, being right here. If we're not here, we're in the past. And, you know, I guess we could, we could talk about being in the future a little bit, but we've got to be careful about letting our past control our thoughts about the future, too, because it does, right? You know, I can never have that. <laughs> because, right. you know, so, so, you know, dreaming and fantasizing, imagining, uh, programming, manifesting, all those wonderful words about the future, those are important. Very important, but we're not, we're in the moment doing that. We're not acting from the past. So this is huge. We are controlled every day by our past, unless we're aware. It's very interesting, and we probably don't have enough time to talk about this. It's so interesting that after keeping the past at bay for so long, Many of the clients, I'm I'm making an assumption here, uh, and I know you know what happens when you make an assumption, but it seems like suddenly couples that have been married for a long time, this is all now rearing its head. So I'm guessing that it's the distraction of the everyday, raising kids, having to make a living, right. maintaining a home, your house, you know, your health, all these things, Tremendous. and then with less exterior distraction, suddenly one or both parties are like, that's it, I can't take it anymore. Well, it's very true. Uh, Two of the five major reasons for divorce, two of the five are uh, empty nest syndrome and retirement. (laughs) So there you go. Um, You know, uh, because all of a sudden we are, in either of those, many times we're just faced with, oh, it's just us now. <laughs> right? <laughs> and we've we got 35 years of unconscious programming going on here, and what? We got to change? This can be daunting it, in, unless it's taken with a sense of curiosity. And Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's fascinating to me that you can take that You know, I've been married for, it was 30 years in June. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as you say these things, I'm like, we're going to have to listen to this episode later. And, (laughs) you know, and those things that you've been able to really hold at bay and they just can't anymore. It's like, it's, it's a leak that you keep doing triage on and it's just not going to work anymore. You have to address the the leak and what's at the core you can't keep as you talk about if you want to stay changing together, the you bandages. Do, yeah. If you want to stay together, yeah, you gotta address it. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Well I've got so much more to talk about with this and we're out of time. So All right. we but we got more more weeks coming up. So Well there you go. We'll okay. Carry on with this topic. So remember folks, I'm gonna give you a reminder that if you have some questions that you want to ask maybe Greg offline, then you can go to KuiperCounseling.com. There's a contact page there. Feel free to shoot him a note, ask a question, have some clarification, or learn more about his counseling services. In the meantime, Greg? Stay aware out there, everybody. Have a great week, everyone. (laughs) See you next week.